you'll never be Even if you try This was supposed to boost my confidence But the introvert in me made itself known Common sense, all it wants to do is be alone. Even though I don't, I gotta think of something to say. I never asked to be this way. Takes everything I have just to speak. I'm exhausted. But you're out there dancing, so I'm on my feet. All I wanted was to be your friend, but you won't give me the time of day. got everyday heroes everyday heroes in the great state of utah and it's it's nice it's really nice when it snows because you get to see these heroes out early in the morning they got their snow shovels these are community heroes right these are people who when no one calls they answer right they got their snow shovel they they fucking before they went to bed, they, they peeked out the curtains. And they said, oh, fuck, it's snowing. I can't wait to get up and shovel my neighbor's drive and sidewalk. And sure enough, I woke up this morning. I saw two or three community heroes while I was out doing some errands. And these people, the, the, my favorite ones, the guy with the shovel, dedicated, love it. My gain's a little high. And I saw the guy with the shovel. He's doing his part. But I saw another guy, the four-wheeler guy. The guy who has a four-wheeler. Imagine buying that. You live in a house that uh, you don't really need a four-wheeler for, but you got one. Because you're a community member. You're a member of this community. And you also bought that big, that big what's it called, shovel? The big shovel, you, you attach it right on. And these these community helpers, they shoveled the snow on the sidewalk. Now, what a nice thing to do. My, my thought process is, why do it? Right? There was a time in America, 
All right, where everybody was walking everywhere. Snow, rain, whatever. So you, it really was important that people shoveled their sidewalks. But t- times have changed. We got people working from home. We, we got people taking cars to work. I just think it's a nice gesture, right, to shovel the sidewalk and stuff. I don't know if we need it anymore in this day and age. It's kind of outdated. Um, but I do appreciate those, those people who wake up every morning and they feel as though God blessed them to do something kind for their community. It's, 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 it's uplifting. It's heartwarming. In fact, it's, it's American. You don't see that kind of American attitude anymore. And I was going to talk about something else that's been on my mind because it's, it's one of these stories where... It's so difficult, not to believe, I, I think the event happened, but the way the event unfolded, it seems very unusual, to say the least. I'm, I'm talking about the recent, this is going to date the podcast, I'm talking about the recent mass shooting in, where was it, Monterey Park for the Lunar New Year. Now... What was unusual about this mass shooting uh, was a few things. There was a few things that were very unusual. Um, I think the the person who committed the crime is very unusual. A 72-year-old man. Okay? A 72-year-old man. Now, I got got parents in my 70s. So, I'm imagining, not that my parents are feeble, but like, I mean, anybody in their 70s, me against them, dodging bullets like fucking Matrix, I swear to God, a 72-year-old man, can maybe he could, maybe he couldn't, but let me read this story. Uh, authorities say a 72-year-old man suspected gunman was found dead Sunday, okay, so with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. After officers approached his vehicle. So what's fascinating about this is guy drops about 10, 20 people. 10 of them, I think, are dead. Drops them. Now listen to this part of the story. There's a hero. Always is a hero. Like the hero who shovels my snow. When I got the courage. Now listen to this. I lunged at him with both my hands. Grabbed the weapon and we had a struggle. We struggled. Now this guy is 72 years old. I'm never going to struggle with a 72-year-old. I, I, this part of this story, my brain can't get. Let me, let me finish reading this. We struggled in the lobby. It sounds like a fucking movie. Trying to get his gun away from each other, to say, said. He was hitting me across the face. Now, if a 72-year-old hit me across the face, and I could, what? You ain't hitting me that hard. I swear to God. And I'm going to hit you back way harder if you're 72, just so you know. I'm fucking clocking those lights out. And and I wanted to stop Asian hate for the past two years. I've been pushing like no Asian hate big time. And listen to this. He was hitting me across the face, bashing the back of my head. I was trying to use my elbows to separate the gun away from him, create some distance. Now... I've actually had the opportunity to, to, to wrestle in my life, to wrestle, do jujitsu, do some of these physical activities that involve like measuring your physical strength with someone else. Now, this, this guy is a young person. He can't be in his past his late, late 20s or 30s. This guy's young. And he gets bodied by a 72-year-old Asian with one hand. And like, imagine this. Dang. So try to imagine. I give the guy props for bravery. Okay, Give the guy props for bravery. That's for sure. But listen to this. Once he was able to seize the gun from the shooter, so he took the gun away. Okay, which is interesting. He took the gun away. At this point, I thought he would run away. I would too. But he was just standing there contemplating whether to fight or run away. So the 72-year-old, not exhausted, which is one of the most surprising things. He just... Cleared out a whole party with a with a handgun. Just got done wrestling a youthful man 
Okay? And he's standing there thinking about what he's doing. And I want to know right away, like, why? I'm assuming he didn't have a mask on. Well, you know what I mean? But the shooter walked out the door and returned to his van, adding then, adding that he then called the police. So the shooter did all this stuff. Then he called the police. And then he killed himself. It sounds like case closed. Why is anybody talking about this? The only reason this story is going to stay alive is for... Guess what? Second Amendment issues. And I talked about this yesterday. In the day before, maybe. I said things domestically are going to get really uneasy in the next two years. Stuff like this. Okay? Stuff like this where... I don't know if anybody really believes a 72-year-old man did that. I'd love to see the camera footage. I'd love to see everything. Right, but obviously we don't get to see stuff like that anymore. It reminds me of the San Bernardino shooting, which I was fortunate enough to watch live. I was one of those people who had TV and cable during the San Bernardino uh, shooting. And I'll tell you this, this, this reminds me of that where it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense on the face of it. You read the face of it, like two Islamic, uh, an Islamic couple leave their brand new kid at home and go shoot up their workplace. And then the whole scene after, when I want that whole thing, I didn't even need to go on the internet to start a conspiracy after I watched the San Bernardino live uh, chase out shooting news report on three different channels. I, I was switching MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, who's got the hot take on the black SUV running away from the cops in the San Bernardino shooting. And then the most interesting part about that, it doesn't matter, but this is another thing. Another story in California doesn't quite make sense. I'm not even sure if our government's really responsible for this. This doesn't have to be our government doing this operation. I do think it's an operation. It does seem a bit chaotic. It does seem a bit agenda-driven. It does seem out of the norm. But it's good for our country because what it does do is it creates a conversation about guns and Asian hate. And this might be like inter-Asian hate. I don't know. It could, it could be gang violence. could be a lot of things. Uh, but the fact that a 72-year-old man could pretty much beat the shit out of some young kid, still lose his gun, nobody else tackles him, nobody else restrains him, imagine that. I, I'm trying to, it's got to be a chaotic scene. And this guy just wrestled away his gun, doesn't tell the guy to get on the ground, or like he's in a position of authority now. The good guy has the gun. I would have popped a cap in both the bad guy's knees, keep him alive, but keep him subdued. You know, some like John Wick shit, but keep him alive. Let the court deal with him. But the whole, like, he kills himself at the end in a white van. The white van is the other interesting part. I don't even know if it was white, but uh, only government agents and, and creepos drive those kinds of vans. That's a red flag, too. Nobody has that van anymore, unless you work for the government. Those kinds of vans, the windowless vans, I'm telling you, dude, that's a bad look. You get, you, if you have a van, it better be a minivan, an Astro van, and a van with lots of windows, just so obviously your passengers can see outside and everybody can confirm you're okay. In Utah, we have Pligrix. We got these big old 18-seater vans, and... I think they're they're cool, right? I don't have any problem with those kinds of vans. But these windowless vans, very suspicious. I don't like windowless vans. If I see a windowless van, I go make sure there's license plates on it, check, like, what what's going on here? Is there any weird accoutrements hanging from the rearview mirror? Are there, like, a bunch of stuff on the dashboard? Speaking of that, I saw a car the other day. It hurts your soul when you see this, but the passenger side was filled up to the window with trash. If you opened the door, everything falls out, bud. And I don't get that. Now, I'm not saying I keep the cleanest car in the world, but I'll tell you this. Ain't no fast food bags in the car. Right? Maybe an empty coffee cup here or there. Max. Max empty coffee cup, but 
the people who just use their cars. And this person had a home because I saw them carrying their laundry basket to the car. It's even worse. It's even worse when these, if you live in your car and your car looks like that, you know, my hands are off. You, hey, your life's fucked. But if you have a house and you go from your house to your car and your car looks like that, condemn your house, burn it down, sell your car, your public transportation now. I think some people, I'm, I used to be like really for freedom, but I think some people need to have their freedoms taken away. All of them. If you live like that, you're an endangerment to society. If you got, and if I look in your car window and I see trash peeking up halfway through, dude, you need help. Lots of people need help. There are a few hoarder houses. The nice thing, I mean, if you live in cities, you don't see people's hoarding, okay? Because they live in apartments and they don't really, hoarding is and people have obviously watched the TV shows, but I like real life hoarding when you can like drive by the people's houses and it floods. It floods into the yard. Now, I've shared this before. Now, this is from a hoarder's house. He, he goes around and he puts conspiracy theories in people's mailboxes. Right? This guy is absolutely batshit. So on some level, we need these people because they're thinking. They're really thinking. They don't have time to clean. They do good work like that. I've yet to crack that code. It's only two pages. I swear to God, this is one of the hardest things to understand. Got it in the mail. I can guess the neighbor. I really can. If it was any other neighbor besides the one that has trash leaking out of their house... That's the only neighbor I like. And they didn't put a postage note. They just like put it in your mailbox, you know? Obviously, they're not mailing it to you. They're trying to get the word out on a local level. And that's my guess. So I've been waiting. He hasn't he hasn't dropped off anything in a while. And I, I've been wondering about that. But the, the free stuff signs something he has been doing. So, which is a good thing. If you are a hoarder, I think you just need to have a sign outside your, like... Put free stuff, make mark out a corner and just kind of, that's the best thing a hoarder can do, which is what this person kind of does. Their, their hoarding's really bad. This is, uh, this nobody should be able to find this house, but it they do always have a free corner of junk. Now, I've never even looked at that. I don't want to see that junk. And where do they get this shit? What the fuck are they doing all day? Driving around with a trash vehicle. With trash in it. Yikes. I went to the Home Depot. And I heard about the Lowe's hose. And I go to Lowe's and I'll tell you this. There are no Lowe's hose. Lowe's is like the... So you have grocery stores, right? Costco, top of the line. Everybody works at Costco has at least graduated high school with a decent grade. Now, at every other grocery store, you could have like a, a half a high school diploma. You could have like these these different things. Fuck, what was I talking about? It wasn't grocery stores, was it? Jesus Christ. Fuck. Let's talk about grocery stores. There's two kinds. Different levels. What the fuck was I leading into? Fuck. That's the worst. Completely forgot my whole train of thought. I hate that shit. What the fuck? God. There was a point to be made. Now there is no point. Now I don't fuck. It's talking about hoarding. There's two levels, two groups of people. I forget. Fuck it. I don't even know. Next point. Next point. Ah, uh, jeez. There, so, there was a point to be made there. Who fucking cares? So I was, what else am I going to think about? Oh, Lowe's hose, Home Depot. That's what I was talking about. Duh. So you got your Lowe's hose. Okay. But when I go to Lowe's, that's like the, the lower level grocery stores. What you get there are the people who 
barely passed Woods class in junior high. You get the people who did like welding once in high school. And there are no hoes. There are old women who work there. And they're very kind. At Lowe's, you get the old hoes. And you get the you get the different gentlemen. When I went to Home Depot though, right? Which is strange. I never really understood this. There are women who work there who are like, what the fuck are you doing here? You don't belong. You obviously have no clue what a two-by-four is. You Go to the garden section. You're not going to help me cut this piece of wood off. But it's true. There are Home Depot. And what would the term be? Home Depot. Home wives. That's what they want. These, these women who, and it makes sense. They want to catch men of a certain demographic. So they, they think to themselves, well... I don't really want to do much besides be like a home housewife. And I want a masculine type male. If I go work at Home Depot, you know what? Jackpot. So I, it's a fascinating thing to, to work at Home Depot. And it's, a, it's an interesting store. I do feel like when you walk down the pesticide aisle, you lose a year or two of your life. Because you can just smell it. Which is one of the weird things. Like, you know this shit causes cancer. Okay, Roundup. And you walk by it, unfortunately. You're getting, I don't know, something important. Lights. You usually get lights when I go Home Depot. And you you smell the Roundup and you think, 30 seconds gone. One minute gone. Chance of cancer, twofold. Right? If you're next to Roundup, I got stories about Roundup. I knew Roundup was bad a long time ago. No slight to my parents. They kept buying it. Okay, I lost a dog to cancer, hind leg, and I always thought about that. It's like, what? The dog's pissing on this Roundup all over the yard. Of course it gets cancer. That's the other thing with dogs and cancer, too. It's like, why are all these dogs getting cancer? You don't see that in a lot of other animals, I don't think. But like with animals who get human help or live in like really human environments like dogs, they fucking get that cancer, dude. I feel like most animals in the wild just fucking die or get killed. You know what I mean? Real life shit. When I when I look into nature, doesn't have too many problems besides all the ones we've caused. And I'm not one of these climate change people. I think like the starving deer disease, I think that's actually a biological weapon attack on our infrastructure and our uh, what's it called? Resources as a country. You know that wasting deer disease, right? I don't think that's an accident. I actually think that's an attack by somebody else outside of our government. Call me crazy. But if I was trying to weaken the strength of America, I'd take away one of the most powerful resources, the ability to hunt and harvest wild animal. So you're seeing all these deers get wasting disease. That fucking sucks. Can't kill it. Well, you think you can kill them, but you can't eat it turn into zombie deers or something and then if you eat the meat you get sick it's the perfect attack on it and i think that you're going to see more things like that more things like uh imagine like a zombie bear disease that'd be intense you get these crazy fucking bears eating these zombie deers losing their fucking mind going into alaska just wreaking havoc on these small towns they're polar bears, so they're they're really big. It's always possible. And you got brown bears there too. Uh, what are they? Grizzly bears? Those? Uh, no, Zodiac. The Zodiac bears? Those fuckers are big. I saw one at the museum the other day. Went to the museum, of course. Okay, I went to uh, I went to the a couple museums, and I there's I'll read this thing. I didn't read it last time has to do with uh, dinosaurs and the raptor. So most people don't know the size of a raptor has always been acknowledged as the size of a turkey. So you think about the movie Jurassic Park and that raptor, you're like, fuck, that thing's terrifying. That thing's a monster. 
Is it real? But before, remember, raptors were the size of a turkey. If a raptor came up to me in real life, the turkey size, I'd kick the fuck out of it. I'd grab the fucking little raptor by the neck if it was trying to kill me, obviously, and I'd snap the raptor neck. And I'd get pick up the next little turkey raptor. I'd snap that neck. I would dominate about 10 to 20. I think I could take on a lot of... Give me steel-toed boots and any kind of environmental weapon. I'm kicking the fuck out of raptors. Trust me. Trust me. So I went to the museum. Now, the raptor in Jurassic Park is called a Utah raptor. And it was... Let me read this. I got this little... Uh, you can't see it, but I, I took a picture of the plaque. And this is important to understand if you like Jurassic Park. Uh, the Utah Raptor was probably the largest and most primitive of North America. So largest, most primitive, that's good. Commonly known as raptors over the past decade, other giant uh, dromaeosaurs have been found in Argentina. So we got other big raptors too, which is nice. They're in Argentina. Interesting. Probably the most famous of these dromaeosaurs is the Velociraptor, popularized by Steven Spielberg's Jurassic Park. For the film, Velociraptor was exaggerated over twice its actual size. However, this is very important. However, within a year of the film's release, a giant dromaeosaur had been found that fit the Jurassic Park model, namely Utah Raptor. Now, that is one of the, my favorite pieces of history you have a huge movie comes out about dinosaurs they make up this raptor before then they're all turkey-sized little fucks you could have kicked the fuck out of them now within a within a year of the film's release they got the exact model we got the perfect raptor we found it the one you made in your film steven three years ago the one you've been, the, mo the movie you've been working on and writing for maybe five, we just found the imaginary dinosaur you and your team made. Isn't that good news? It's real, Steven. Your dinosaur's real. I know they were turkey-sized, but we found the one you made, the one that was way too big. It wasn't actually correct. It is correct. What the fuck? You kidding me? I don't believe that shit for one fucking second. Fake ass Utah Raptor. And I do believe that, all right, bones are old as fuck. Some of these giant lizards were real. I, here's another one. I took another picture of a plaque and this one. Oh boy, this one had my brain turning. This little dinosaur factoid had me thinking. Now, when, when people understand how old dinosaurs are, millions and millions of years old, millions and millions, okay? Now, I have another plaque here. It's about the Triceratops. So, if you were digging for dinosaur bones, how, how deep do you got to dig? You got to dig real deep, right? Now, listen to this. Oh, I took a shitty fucking picture. Oh, my God. I cut it. I can't see half of it. Maybe. Oh, it's like one of these. I'll, I'll try to read what I can. The, I'll read the most important part. The nine foot long skull of the Triceratops was found by dinosaur Jim Jensen in Montana. The skull was just below soil level. He found a Triceratops head in Montana. Just below the soil level. Imagine tripping over a fucking Triceratops thing. And they're like, it's millions and billions of years old. They're like, well, the soil shifted somehow. Somehow, like, maybe there was, like, a soil upheaval and the Triceratops skull got shifted all the way up to the top of the soil of, in Montana. That's how we found it. We, By golly, we pretty much tripped over it. It's millions and billions of years old. I think it even tells you. 30 feet long. They found it in Hell Creek. Can you believe that? They found it in Hell Creek. Oh, wait. The rock unit is called Hell Creek Formation. Interesting. 
It was, oh, here's, okay, 69 million years ago, just below the soil level. That's how old that thing is. 69 million years. This is why I love going to the museum. I love it. Love it. Because you learn. You learn that something can be 69 million years old. And guess what? Just below the soil level. Just below. Think about this. Your your soil in your front yard, depending on how old your house is, if nobody dug it up, you could have a dinosaur just a couple inches underneath. Maybe, maybe a foot. Forget about Civil War memorabilia. Buddy, we all might be sitting on dinosaur bones. Especially if you live in Montana. That's why all those rich people are probably moving there too. What the fuck's up with that? Dinosaur bones. Go to... Go to your museum. There's another museum I go to which also talks about dinosaurs. And they, they obviously address the fact that the brontosaurus skull had never been found. And it's a super source now. And there's so many dinosaur names because they just don't make sense. Dinosaur and the moon landing. Those are my two, two things. Two things, man. Fucking love dinosaurs. Love me some dinosaurs. I loved them as a kid. And, you know, it's one of those things where you can really enjoy dinosaurs. Then you get older and you're like, oh, you read a little bit more. And like Steven Spielberg made a fake raptor that they found a year later. A triceratops skull a couple inches beneath the soil. 69 million years. And then you get into the Bible. Like I said, I've been reading the Bible recently. And, I've, and I, I do stand by what I said before where it doesn't make sense to me. You think if you read the Bible, you need help. And you think about the Bible, the Noah's Ark, the floods. I was thinking maybe it was a flood. The massive floods pulled up that 69 million years of dirt and put it on top of the Montana soil. Could be a lot of things. But I like it. The idea that anybody knows is so fascinating, even about dinosaurs. I think it's hard to read stuff, even space stuff. I was reading the thing, uh, the stuff about the Van Allen belt. It's like, Jesus Christ. I don't want to spend an hour decoding these uh, scientific jargon. That's the whole thing. Language in most fields of study are trapped behind jargon. I think most fields of inquiry, if you're interested are easily understood, like the Bible. I read the Bible. I could read some parts of it, but I still don't get it because there's some contextual jargon, maybe references, maybe some deeper context I'm not familiar with, and you need help when, you, when you're when you an earnest reader. I don't know people who think they can read things right away and understand it. Some people maybe can, some... I don't, I don't get it. I have to read things a few times, ask questions, think about it, even translate words. That's the thing I don't like about science and even all kinds of different academic fields of study. They'll, they'll make up words to make themselves sound elite, separated, right? The legal field is like that. They'll even have Latin words like habeas corpus. They'll just like, well, use Latin and you got to fucking just be smart enough. <laughs> We're going to use all like, I object, which isn't, you know too technical but it's a technical word and then you have dinosaur bones and what they do with dinosaurs are they make these super complicated words where it's linguistically super katorosaurus like what the fuck what's with all these complicated words i don't mind them but it is like uh the thing with my point is long necks the long-necked dinosaurs, a brontosaurus, a supersaurus, they have like 20 different names. Maybe there's 20 different species, but let's just call them one thing. Long necks. <laughs> Fuck, where do, I, where do I go from here? Uh, long necks are interesting dinosaurs. And, you know, you get into the whole thing about like, how did dinosaurs have sex? And then you find out, well, maybe they had atrazine in their soil or something in their water, and they turned, they could self-recreate. They went gay. I, I, it's that'd be an interesting thing to find out. Gay and lesbian dinosaurs, 
Imagine. I, I wish lizard people were real because I'd like to know if they, they had human problems like we do. Or do, do lizard people have diversity issues? Right? I saw the reparations thing for San Francisco. Five million for each person of color since 1965 or whatever. Hey, don't care. Reparations. That's so interesting. I was thinking about that. And, you know, if we open the door for reparations, I say we open it all the way. Let's say all these Irish people, Catholic people, all these Germanic people. I think it starts with Italy and the Vatican just needs to start paying out people. I think the Vatican knows, you know, they conquered and enslaved a lot of Europe. The Romans did. And that was pretty fucked up what the Romans did. The Romans fucked up Africa. They killed all those lions and tigers for sport. Reparations. Okay. Italy needs to be bankrupt and devoid of all art. We need to take everything away from Italy. And, and then we'll go on from there. Germany's next. They're not done. They fucked up big time a few years ago. We all know about that. Okay, reparations. So I think that the idea where reparations begin and end with one culture and one group of people is kind of crazy. I'm for reparations for everybody. I don't like reparations for just one group of people. It seems a bit biased. Like only one group of people's ever been disadvantaged in history. And that's the only group that matters when they're disadvantaged. I want representation and reparations for every demographic and group of people. I think that's how we do it. I think we, you know, Japan, we owe Japan reparations maybe a little bit for Hiroshima, Nagasaki. And China owes Japan some reparations. Japan owes China some reparations. We owe Vietnam some reparations. I think the reparations should never end. That's how that shit happens. Remember when they said gay marriage is going to, they're going to take the kids after that? That used to be a big thing. If you do gay marriage, now we got like all age kid drag shows. They did go for the kids. Now you got gender, like this whole, and this is what happens, right? When you do open a door, sometimes it goes all the way. Like, People think they can open a door for a policy and then close it right after. <laughs> I think what you're going to see in the next 10, 10 years is you're going to see uh, people marrying robots. You're going to see polyamory. You're going to see polygamy make a comeback and it won't be Mormons. Okay. It's going to be these furry LGBTQ polyamorous pod short hair, blue hair, weird hair, furry hair groups of people who then they bring polygamy back. That, those are going to be the groups who bring polygamy back. It won't be a religious thing. It won't be a bunch of fucking Mormons or another pop-up religious group that says, hey, we want more wives because God told us. It's going to be, my love is unbounding. I can love so many binary, non-binary, cis, non-gender, trans people. That's the way that we're going. So this door of gay marriage, it's going to go to polygamy. It's going to go to marrying robots. You can marry, I think, I know in India you can marry trees as like a symbolic religious act. But I think we're going to see people do weird ass shit in the next 10. Marry, this is what all people are going to marry. Not robots, but, you know, like AI chatbots. They're going to create these artificial intelligence beings and then people are going to fall in love with them because they got nobody else there's a lot of these weird broken people in our generation who think everything on the screen is real and they're going to fall in love with an ai chatbot i'm sure it's already happening and they're going to want to marry these things and then they, when they get a robot they're going to want to put the ai in the robot's consciousness and the robot's going to move because people are broken we got a lot of broken people in our society, and it's only going to get worse. Autism's only going up. I can't wait till everybody realizes like 1 in 20 is autistic, 1 in 10 is autistic, 
and then it's really imperative that autism rises because that's the best politician the best politician is an honest one but we don't have any honest politicians so we have a lot of politicians who lie and if you have a large autistic population they're not going to pick up on the social cues of a liar right they're just going to I mean, I think we're already there, but everybody's going to miss all these normal social cues, I think, that typically occur in the vetting process of a political candidate. But when you have a large enough of an autistic population and they miss all these social cues and other people try to tell them about it, but they're so autistic, they don't get it. You're just going to have corrupt people running more roughshod than they already have in our political institution once we have all these autistic uh asocial, unempathetic, detached, in their own world people. It's going to be wild. And I'm going to look forward to the, the group of growing Americans. They call them homesteaders, which is cool, whatever. These people who are detaching. And I, I like that. I like detaching from society in some regards of what cultural norms are being forced upon the people. Like uh, the whole gas stove thing. I think I'm going to rock a gas stove forever. And if I do vote in the future, don't, I'm, I don't vote. Not registered. Fuck voting. But I will vote to keep gas stoves or some of these weird things going on in our world. Like little rights. I want little rights. I want gas stoves. I want wood fireplaces. What else do I want? I don't know. Simple things. I want the simple things in life. I want people to enjoy those as well. And here's what I noticed too. There are, uh, there's a massive, there's this concept called 15-minute cities, right? And we just had a, in the state of Utah, we had a relocation of, what's it called? A baseball park to a suburb. And the suburb's called Daybreak. Now this suburb, I think, is an ideal 15-minute city. And I'm seeing this being pushed even without the whole utah county salt lake obviously is a giant massive metropolitan they, they already have that but these suburbs are turning into little micro one-size-fits-all cities and it's fascinating the the state of utah has changed so much right in the past 20 years it used to be in these smaller areas orchard fields Right, uh, it used to be empty lots, uh, few businesses, but now there's so much apartment building going on, and they're stacking all of these people on top of each other, and they're putting in pretty much, I think, a 15-minute city when they add a baseball park in a suburb. What the fuck? Bring a minor league team here. Your work is 15 minutes away. Your entertainment is 15 minutes away. They've designed from what I remember, this was all when I, when I was growing up, empty. And now they definitely have implemented. In, in under a few 20 years, Utah is turning in each of these pockets of cities into little 15-minute cities, which I don't think is too new. Like you think about how cities used to be designed. You had a main street and then everybody lived next to it. It already was a 15-minute city. Uh, but then we got the car, and then people lived 30 minutes away from work, and they would drive to work, right? Uh, and we turned into this commuter-type uh, culture. And now we're reverting away again. It's like the old Heraclitus, what scatters, gathers, what gathers, scatters. So now people are being driven back into these tighter locations of 15-minute areas of living where you can go anywhere, work, sporting, school, uh, medical, like everything in your life is within 15 minutes. And I think that's new in some regards and it's old in others. Like New York is a, I don't know, is it a 15-minute city? It depends. You can get, you got you to gotta walk a lot. That's for sure. So 15 minutes left. Holy shit. But um, the podcast is killing it. Um, the last two episodes are Patreon exclusives. Uh, cost a dollar. I'm starting to just put more stuff on there. Uh, just cause make it worth something. And then when I feel like I do a decent podcast that goes on Spotify or iTunes, if anybody would like to subscribe or unsubscribe, dislike, smash that 
unfollow. Uh, it's not about the cult here. I was thinking anti-culture. Like, how do you be anti-culture? And I think about angst, youth, rebellion, right? And anti-culture comes from the youth. And it's weird where the youth now, and I've talked about this before, are so programmed that I don't know if they will grow into this uh, true angst. And you think about Rage Against the Machine, all that punk rock shit in the past. And was that original angst? Was that original fuck the man energy? I don't know. Or was it contrived? Could be. But with music going forward and culture going forward, the whole, you know, I'm a rebel, teenage angst, uh, people don't get me. When your entire life has been programmed at a young age in the sense that it's really unfortunate. You see a lot of kids with screens. When their propaganda cycle starts at, let's just say, a year age, God forbid, and it goes all the way into their youth, how do they ever really know like, anything besides what's been put in front of them? So my point is, if they did rebel, what would they be rebelling against? Or like, how could they? Their whole world schema has been given to them. And I think in the past, latchkey kids, shit like that, where they were just building their own world schema, going outside, hanging out with friends, playing night games, right? Uh, learning about people. That's where angst comes from. Sometimes being misunderstood. I don't know, man. I think people who, in the past, they really had time to like find themselves and find the things they didn't like in society or, or they do like. And now when your whole life has been dictated to you by a screen, I don't know if you will, really ever will know what you like or don't like. Because a lot of these kids have phones at the age of six or five. It's depressing. It's almost like when kids are given prescription drugs like Adderall in first grade. And then they take it all the way till they're 18 or 19 or 20 in college. And then they go off the drug. That person hasn't had a sober mind since they were five years old. That shit's crazy to me, right? And, and to get in touch with you and who you are, like, it's, it's so, I don't know if that's ever possible, but I think when your brain chemistry has been altered at a young age and due to antidepressants or whatever, it's shocking that people can fucking find any sense of resemblance and i think that's what the world is intending to do is to de like make it almost impossible for you to find like what you think how you feel what are your thoughts um and they're, they're constantly trying to trying to dilute that process and it's terrible that kids now fucked way more fucked Life was, and people, this is the one thing I really do think, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, I used to discount the early 2000s, that was still good, because you had like, waiting out outside of, for movie theaters, books, remember like Harry Potter, that shit was lit, you had a bookstore, you know, these social gatherings, these social events, the internet still wasn't quite there in the early 2000s, I give a grace period to early 2000s, I think that time, excluding 9-11, Patriot Act, right? And, you know, obviously those terrible events. Excluding that, pretty litty time for the most part. I think early 2000s were a good, good era. And then late 2010s, 2008, the recession sucked, 2008. So that's when I think things went down. But then you got the hope with Obama. How much hope did he bring? Isn't it? I always find it odd that racial tensions in America somehow spiked after half the country agreed to have a black president. That's one thing I, I look back on. I'm like, where did that come from? <laughs> it's like I, I get there are people who have, uh, who are, uh, what's it called, racist? But the idea that most of America has a problem after we elect, elected a black president. And then you had all of these contrived, well, we have real social moments that deserve to be scrutinized. But when things turn into psychological operations and most Americans don't understand what those are, we have a problem.
You have Black Lives Matter buying million dollar houses in California. You have a problem. You have people who don't know what they're doing. Remember the Australia fires? Right? Was it two years ago? And it was like, look at these poor koalas. Nobody gives a fuck about Australia right now. People's emotions are so in the air. They'll do it. They'll, they'll care about anything. Right now, Ukraine. The thing Ukraine doesn't have right now, I think, is like the whole problem of what is it? What's Ukraine? Why, is, why don't more people care about Ukraine? The only people who care about Ukraine are the wrong people. They want. Uh, I wish Ukraine would get more attention. Something's going to happen there. <laughs> it's such a boring war. It's uh, Iraq and Afghanistan were boring too in some sense because you couldn't really see what was going on besides what the news showed you. But Ukraine, you get all these TikTok videos. Still kind of boring. And it's weird how the TikTok videos, I don't understand this about TikTok, where they glorify death. Right? So if, if most of the videos show... If they do show stuff like uh, maybe a tank blowing up, helicopters blowing up, the Ukrainians killing people. And you think about this and you're, you watch the TikTok. I have a TikTok every Saturday. It's dominant. It's cringe TikTok. Go check out Provo Kid Instagram. And as I find the cringe, I've come across quite a few Ukraine TikToks. And I don't know why... On the terms of service, it's all right because it's I, it's all right because they need to build this animosity within the and this worldview that killing Russians is a good thing. And if you watch Russian helicopters blow up, that should be gratifying. It's sickening. It sickens me that TikTok allows one-sided. Like, there's no videos of like Russians blowing up Ukrainian shit. So there is some uh, algorithm going on that's pro-Ukraine. De- Russian death, and as long as long as you're showing Russians blowing, uh, being blown up in a tank or a helicopter, that shit's good to fly. Run it, run it up TikTok. Get those numbers, get those views. We need to let people know that if you post a video and has Russians dying, that's good. That's good. I think that's bad. I think it's terrible. Uh, but it is fascinating. And this is why I've been kind of pushing for the war. As soon as it really pops off, I think you're going to see so many more videos. This is going to be the first broadcasted World War Three. We got front row seats on TikTok. I'm sure it'll be posted to Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I think we'll have a bit of a better time dealing with all these videos. But I think there'll be war videos on Twitter. It'll just be every day you're going to be watching Devastation. And people will be glued to this. Like, oh my God, look at these dead Russians. Dead Russians. Dead Russians. They're going to love it. It'll be just like Rome. People are going to cheer on the death and destruction of other people as they watch. And, and we're going to like wonder, like, because we look back, like, how could Romans watch gladiators kill countless animals, kill countless Christians, different people, gypsies, whatever they killed? They killed them all, right? And it was for the entertainment. And now you're seeing that on TikTok. You're seeing the act of promotion of war, death, the spectacle of it. It's like when they want the first Civil War battle, battle, right? Where everybody came with their picnic baskets and watched all the people kill each other. They thought it would be entertaining. The elites did. Imagine that, being an elite during the Civil War and you just see these cannons rip people's heads off and torsos are just... You're like, oh my God, these crumpets and tea are delicious. And you hither forth your helping hand for some more tea. I see the Roswells are leaving. The Rothschilds are leaving. They must not have a taste for this kind of sport. That's exactly how it would go. And that's how it's going now. You see all these fucking sick TikTok videos of and I don't have any problem with Russians. That's why I don't like it. And if I saw Ukrainian helicopters being blown up, I'd say that shit sucks. Not right. 
It's not right. Uh, almost done with the podcast. Five minutes left. Fuck. Oh, shit. Uh, well, you know, was anti-war, pro-war, changing my worldviews. 2023 is just going to be me trying to not really have a serious opinion. So we'll see how that goes. The Provo Kid Podcast is on Patreon. It's a dollar. But if you want to be a real subscriber, you can be a $6 subscriber. And I'm going to put more content on there. I also wanted to share some big news. People say, Provo Kid, where'd you get your name? Where'd you get your name? And one big inspiration is a movie called Beaver Kid. Okay? And if you're a long-time listener, you, you already know I've talked about this. But I've been contemplating recreating Beaver Kid in my own way and posting something similar on YouTube. So I want to recreate this Beaver Kid movie. And I suggest everybody, if you're listening now, go find out what is Beaver Kid. I think uh, it's, it's an amazing movie. It changed my life. Okay. And I, I think I want to do a dedication to it. So I think before I do my comedy special in March, I'd like to do a performance art piece uh, dedicated to the Beaver Kid done by the Provo Kid. So that's probably what I'll end on. Maybe keep an eye out for that. Um, the the Provo Kid might post a video, probably will pro- post the video of his recreation of the Beaver Kid. And it won't be like shot for shot. I'm not going to do one of these uh, painstakingly OCD recreations. It'll, it'll be like a spinoff. Kind of a ripoff. Not exactly, but close. So, and of course it'll be with Olivia Newton-John. That'll be what I'll sing. I don't know what I'll wear. We'll figure that out in the long run. But So keep your eyes out for that. Really excited to maybe bring the Beaver Kid and the Provo Kid in unity. And kind of just make a nice piece of art so with that i hope you all stay tuned uh and have a wonderful week god bless you and what else just have a great day I forgot I wanted to share something with you guys. Got big news. Big news. Not, hey, thought it was over. Tricked ya. Hope you guys like this. Got a new piece of art I'm going to bring to the studio. This is going to be pretty special. So I just want to give a big shout out to Abka. Ogden, let me pull this up. We're going to look at these two pieces of art real quick. I wish I could go full screen.
thought I'd share that with you. That's going to be a, the main piece in the back. We're going to re- reorient the studio, maybe even relocate it. I uh, got a new studio being constructed. Uh, it's being constructed in my mind right now, but uh, later on it will be complete physically. Either way, uh, just want to give a big shout out to Amy Abka Ogden. I'll share her link in chat. Go give her a follow. She's a great artist out of Utah. Uh, just multimedia talented and a, a wonderful person as well so thank you all for listening and uh god bless